So you're doing a Regulation D, Rule 506B offering, and you need to establish a pre-existing relationship with your investors that may not be as strong as you'd like them to be. How exactly do you do that? That's what we're gonna talk about. My name is Tilda Moschetti. I'm a syndication attorney for the Moschetti Syndication Law Group. We're going to talk today about 506B investors, how you make it so that you have a pre-existing relationship with them prior to making an offering. So it seems rather straightforward, doesn't it, that you would bring in investors and that you'd automatically have a pre-existing relationship. But a lot of times that relationship isn't very strong. Many times I get asked about, uh, well, what if I have a situation where it's a friend of a friend and I don't really know that person? How do I bring them in to a 506B offering because they'd be a really good investor? Well, that's a great question. So when it comes into the analysis of if there is a pre-existing relationship with them, which is important because we need to establish hey, these investors I didn't make any solicitation to, right? Solicitation is only for Rule 506C, and we're doing a 506B. So there must be, just by fact, a pre-existing relationship. So how do I establish that that actually occurred, and what, what would a court or what would the SEC look at? So the SEC is really looking for two distinct factors, one from the investor's point of view and one from your point of view as the syndicator. Let's talk about the syndicator's point of view first that we need to answer. So what the SEC or what a court would be wanting to see is do you as a syndicator understand the needs, the goals, the general idea of what that investor is looking for in an investment vehicle? Do they have a level of sophistication where they can understand what your investment is, what the downside risks are, and can weigh them reasonably and come up with a good decision whether it was a good fit for them or not? Now, obviously, that's not a very easy thing to just say, well, yes, of course, I knew that they had that. But we can do it through issuing, for example, a questionnaire. So a lot of people, and including my clients as well, will give their clients an investor questionnaire that starts to establish that you have that knowledge uh, and that basis for being able to ascertain not only their goals, but also their level of sophistication in, be it in this investment or prior investments or education or whatever it is. The second piece that a court or the SEC is going to look at is whether that investor in their own mind feels like if they have a question, which they probably would, that they'd feel free to just pick up the phone and call you and ask you a question whether that question seems outrageous or stupid or anything like that, that they feel like it would be something that they could easily do and don't feel like it's this black box that they're going to be putting money into without any sort of answers coming out. So those are the two criteria, looking at it from both the investor's point of view and from the syndicator's point of view. Now, how do we exactly establish that as a practicality? So here is what many people choose to do, and it 
It is a good practice, and it will work, and I'll tell you where the gray area is on it as well. So first off, you know that there is an investor that who wants to, who may want to invest, and you've identified that person. And so you go to your brother-in-law or whoever has that relationship, and you say, hey, I'd really like to meet with them and talk with them. You have those conversations, and you probably start it with an email of, hey, uh, I'd really like to talk to you about real estate investing in general, or whatever the, it is that you're offering in general. And you just make a nice sit-down meeting, either on the phone or in person or on Zoom, and have a good conversation about what it is that generally that they're looking for. You know, what kind of criteria that there is, uh, or what how they think about the market, or how they think about investments in general. You have a nice, good dialogue that, does, that goes through that. You document that either in an email, which is the easiest way, that says, hey, it was great to meet you last Tuesday and talk about how your thoughts on the market and I'll get to compare notes about what I think too. It was really nice to meet you and I look forward to talking with you again soon. And some time then goes by between that initial meeting and when, uh, when you talk to the investor again. And so maybe you talk to them again and still have non-substantive as it relates to your investment conversation. But you, some time goes between that initial conversation and when you decide to discuss your investment. Now, it would be ideal in the, in the grand scheme of things if you didn't even have another investment uh, lined up, right? If you didn't have one in the offering and then now suddenly you do and then you go to the investor. But the reality is that doesn't happen in today's world. And so what we need to do, and I don't think it's prohibited based on no action letters that we've seen from the SEC, to still have those, those substantive conversations later about an investment that may have pre-existed that initial conversation to begin with, as long as you didn't have it at that outset meeting. So now you go back to them ideally two weeks, three weeks, four weeks later. You can probably get away with one week, but one week was a little short. So just know that that's there. That's the gray area that I alluded to before. So you go back to them some period of time later and you say, hey, Joe, uh, we had such a great conversation about real estate investing or investing in, in stocks or investing in crypto mining operations, whatever it is that you're doing. And you say, I've now got this opportunity and I'm letting friends and family invest into it. I'm not advertising it to the general public. I'm just doing it to people that I know. And I've thought maybe you might be interested. Would you like to see it and discuss it later? And that's when you establish that. Now you've also got, since you've sent that by email, ideally, or maybe you've just called them and send a follow-up email about it. Now you've got another clear demarcation of time. So you've showed this lapsed time between the initial meeting and when you've actually discussed that investment possibility with them, whether or not they want to invest. And that's the way you do it. That's the way most people do it. And it's probably very, very good. Now, what are the things that will make it not as good? It's that length of time from that first meeting until that uh, introduction of the, uh, of the security itself, as well as the uh, gathering of an investment questionnaire and getting a really good sense of who that person is and what their investment thing is. Now, is the investment questionnaire always like critically required? No, 
Because what if it is your brother? I mean, your brother you have a very substantive relationship with, probably. And so there, that level isn't really required, right? So it's, sure, it's still helpful to have, but it's not like you're going to lose the case if your brother was to bring an action and he made a claim that there was no pre-existing relationship because it's kind of clear that there would be. So that's the general thing we look at. Now, here's the key takeaways for this. Number one, the process of turning someone with no prior relationship into someone with a pre-existing substantive relationship, it involves several important steps. And we talked about what those steps were. It's meet with them, do not discuss the investment. Then you introduce the investment some period of time later. And it's helpful along the way if you get at that time an investment questionnaire or prior to an investment questionnaire. It's best practice to provide a detailed questionnaire to get to understand that investor's level of sophistication and goals. Building a substantive relationship requires offline conversations, preferably through a phone call or in person to discuss goals and experience. This is not something that you can do, well, they were my friend on Facebook. Fostering interactions that allow for the establishment of the substantive relationship is crucial, and the quality of those interactions is more important than the time it takes to actually establish the relationship. So the more time that goes on is helpful, but it's not dispositive. What really matters here is the quality of those conversations. So now you have the basic toolkit in order to go changed your relationships from didn't know them at all to probably could qualify fine for your 506B Reg syndication. I hope you found this helpful. My name is Tilda Muschietti. I'm a syndication attorney for the Muschietti Syndication Law Group. We specialize only in Regulation D syndication. So we help in syndicators put together all their offering documents and also offer uh, the support and guidance needed to be successful with their offering.